Attention all drawing nerds. This is Dave McGuire, and I'm interrupting your podcast for a very important announcement. I am giving you a call to action. As you know, the Nerd Cave has been overrun by a spirit that we've come to know as Alan. He inhabits our bodies to speak, and he shows no signs of leaving. And in order to cope with this new presence, we need your help. That's right. Pick up your pens, pick up your computers, and give us a drawing of what you think Alan looks like. And it is imperative that you send it to the nerds at nerdonomy.com so that way we may understand our visitor some more. Best interpretation that we receive will become our new t-shirt design. Submissions end December 24th at midnight. Good luck and thank you. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley. Kevin Satorius, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. All right, you're being held hostage on Christmas. What do you use to negotiate your way out? Hmm. Eggnog. Lots and lots of eggnog. Doesn't that work? Yeah, Sean? but you have to put some sort of sedative in it. Right. But that's really not negotiating at that point. That's just tricking them into wait, being wait. inebriated. I'm going to channel Sean here. Wait, define eggnog. You know, like mostly booze with a splash of that shit you get from the store. Oh, good, because for a second I thought you were going to say semen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Ew. Once again, I apologize for the effect that I've had on you, Brian. <laughs> that's not eggnog, that's man-nog. Man-nog. Love-nog. <laughs> I just wrote a song. I just wrote a song in my head called Love-nog. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it next podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's a oh Christmas song. It's family oriented. <laughs> really? As in there's a family in it, but I'm not sure if it's family appropriate. <laughs> but the family's doing stuff to each other in it. It's like an aristocrat's joke, basically. Oh, geez. Sort of. <laughs> well, we're spiraling already. Uh, I know. Maybe this come is a on. bad question. We can come up with a different question. Um, no, we haven't even all answered yet. Okay, so I w- actually, I want to give a real answer, if that's okay. Do it. I want to use a candy cane, but one that I've shaved off the edges for so that I can use as a knife and oh. just stab my way to freedom. You know, those those candy canes do get the really pointy end. Yes. You've been working on them for a while. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Eric's just like, what? <laughs> Dirty joke? Nope. <laughs> I I need a little bit more scenario. Like, am I, am I shopping and this happens, or am I at home? You're at a Christmas party, and all of a sudden you're kidnapped by a man whose name is Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so we're at, hold on. <laughs> and your wife is a Chicago poli- or New York police officer <laughs> named Jean McClain. Brian, I'm taking notes here. Break you out. <laughs> what time of day is it? <laughs> Evening, probably Evening. a weeknight. Okay, skyscraper. This is a corporate Christmas party. Probably it is corporate Christmas office. party. So it's at the office. It's yes. die hard. And I work in this office. Yes, it's right okay, after work. This is going to be easy. This is going to be easy. Yeah. Okay, okay. what do you do? Well, if I was someone's plus one, it would be hard. But if, if I work there, it's going to be easy. Okay. I basically live my life by Kevin McAllister. So being that I would already have the entire office booby-trapped in case there was sure, <laughs> some of sort of assailant to come through, <laughs> you think ahead. it would be really easy. All I need is some paint cans, some rope, um, something really hot to put on a doorknob of some kind, <laughs> uh, some saran wrap, a uh, flamethrower. A tarantula. Uh, a tarantula. Yes. An iron. Um, a lot of micro machines for someone to step on comedically. Tar. Tar, tar and nails, nail. for sure. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. all those things already at the office. So, 
already all set up. in the janitor's closet. <laughs> Why does Sean have these here? Don't ask. He claims it's for some emergency situation. <laughs> Just trust him. Just trust him. And I'm running around in a red sweater and khakis with a BB gun around me. <laughs> Screaming at them like, oh no, guys, you better not catch me. I'm running upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and then they follow me for some reason. That's uh, amazing. That's the best one. I have no- I have nothing to- that can even, like, the candy cane knife is, like, the closest thing I've got. It's a candy cane shank more than anything is really right. what it is. Exactly. Well, we're talking about negotiating, right? Some Brian, negotiation. negotiation. Yeah, I mean, this is Fight how do you freedom. get yourself out of it? Do you know? Brian, to, yeah. Do you think that anybody's going to notice you sucking on that candy cane until it's pointy? <laughs> I never said sucking. I said I was going to shave it. Yeah. Like, oh, like I figured a pocket you would knife. suck on it until it was in a point, and then. No, no, he said he was going to uh, whittle it down, me. and then I, I just kind of said, yeah, those ends do get pointy. So. Well, okay. Uh, I, I, if I'm in that situation, I'm just going to barter using my boss's life. Because I figure my boss has a lot more money than I do. Okay. So I can kind of tip off the assailants as to who my boss is. Mm-hmm. And then they can just let me kind of quietly sneak out the back because I, I don't make any money. Okay. That's what I would do. And I'd go home to my family and just we would sing songs near the fire. Christmas nice. songs. Sure, sure. Of well, survival. I would just go ahead and rely on my pet Mogwai to take care of it for me. That's a great oh, idea. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and then so you feed it after midnight and then you'd let it you like put it in the sink and you just run some water no, over no, it. No, I'm actually referring more to Gremlins 2 new batch where where pretty much Gizmo goes all Rambo oh. and like actually uses like office supplies and like a rubber band and a paper clip as like a little like bow <clears throat> and arrow and like totally saves the day. Who's going to give the Alan comment? Wait a second. <laughs> There's a Gremlins 2. You've never what? seen Gremlins 2? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Shock! Oh, I fucking hate it, though. I hate Shock. it with every fiber of my being. That's who's gonna, that. Who's going to give the Alan comment? Because Alan could have the possibility to have the that total gem for this. Once, when I was doing a 10-minute play festival at uh, a community center in Vermont, I did a soliloquy from Gremlins to the new batch. And it was awkward because it was all gizmo, and the sounds that I did sounded more like I was crying. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you alan thank you so much oh my god uh and with that folks welcome to nerds on film i'm brian moriarty i'm sarah ashley oh hello i'm eric brickmont and i'm long dong silver (laughs) wow that was real, very Hi, long. Just kidding. I'm Sean Moriarty. Kevin Sutorius was going to be here tonight, but he was not feeling well. So, you know, we hope he gets well soon. Tis the season. Yes, for it is. not feeling well. However, when we have a nerd missing, uh, one nerd equals two spectators. So we've got two of our first of our loyal listeners who are in studio with us in the world's smallest podcast theater. <laughs> Guys, give a round of applause, please. Thank you ever you. wonder Thank what the you. what the sound of the smallest audience is like laugh, uh, clapping? That, that sounded exactly. to me like a lot of Smurfs in an orgy situation. No. <laughs> the smacking. <laughs> Just the from my point of from here. Oh. Which is weird because I can't like, see what's happening. They are maybe three feet from us, so they could totally heckle the shit out of us while we're, for, while we're yeah, recording. Yeah, no, it'd get picked up and everything. So. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, John said he was trying to be polite. No, whatever, dude. Yeah. Just, yeah, just you know, if you guys are gonna laugh, laugh. If you guys are gonna heckle, heckle. That's whatever. You're allowed to. As long <laughs> as you leave your clothing on, we won't have any problems. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! At least shirts off. All right, then we all have to go shirts off. Uh, no, thank you. What? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> 
Oh, Sarah, oh, you've yeah, never been yeah. caught up in one of those games before? I guess we should all take our shirts off, but we all have to, and everybody just looks slowly. So like, uh, no. Oh boy. These guests are special because they brought us a ceiling and wine and yes, donations of sorts. Yes, so. and it also happens that we know them in person, so they they pass our security checkpoint, basically. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So. Why did we ask that really odd question? I mean, aside from, obviously, Home Alone and when... Um, and Die Hard, and apparently a lot of Christmas movies the where there's hostage situations. And the Gremlins, although that one was technically New Year's, I think, not Christmas, but oh well. Gremlins 2 was Gremlins New Year's, 2 yes. Gremlins 2 New Year's. Um, but there was also another very special movie about being held hostage in or around Christmas time, and that would be The Ref. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I was supposed to watch The Ref? You were supposed to watch The Ref. I ended up watching the 2010 Australian horror film, The Reef. Uh-huh. Well, it could have been better. You could have watched the 2005 adult film called The Rough. So <laughs> <laughs> That would have been better. <laughs> Actually, oh. if you see The Reef, it's kind of the same thing. Only with sharks. Oh, whoa. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. disturbing whoa. beyond words. Yeah, well, for me... Well, what Sean does a shark money shot look like? Oh, God. Impressive. It. <laughs> you don't want to see it. You don't. You have to have protective eyewear if you do want to watch. The sperm are huge. You can see each one. Oh, God. It sort of looks like the end of Matrix Revolutions where all of those fucking... (laughs) 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 And they make a giant face and it talks to you in a really deep voice. Oh, okay. That is frightening. Moving right along. Let's talk about the rap. This is a Christmas episode. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, shark semen. (laughs) Wow. Um, well, Sean and I both grew up on this movie. Um, yes. My dad was a, is a big Dennis Leary fan, so when we, he heard about it, we rented it, like, I, I want to say, like, 95, 96, like, right after the movie came out, and instantly it just kind of s- stuck with us because of how funny it was. That's part of the reason why it's my favorite. It goes back to childhood, as do many films, but it's also the one where, like, I can still watch it as an adult and appreciate it from a whole new level and still laugh out loud at some really freaking funny gags that are in that movie. Which is funny, because considering we did decide last season, last Christmas season, that it was an un-Christmas movie, but you've changed your mind on that. I've had a change of heart, because yes, it has very little to do with the spirit of Christmas, per se, but yet the themes of family coming back together and forgiveness, uh, those are all things that I think kind of jive with the Christmas theme, so... That's why I'm retracting my answer and saying, no, it's a Christmas movie. Okay. It is. So let's let's come back to that at the end of this then. So what year did this movie come out? 1994. Uh-huh. It was directed by Mr. Ted Demi, uh, who has... God rest uh, unfor- his soul. God rest his soul. He passed away in 2002, I think, shortly after directing his last film, Blow. Like, it's got a really amazing cast in it, too. It's got Dennis Leary as the main character, Gus, who is just this thief who... It's very, very almost farcical because the whole premise is that he is a cat burglar who the job fails and he's on the run on Christmas Eve and he ends up taking uh, this woman hostage who ends up being, you know, part of a couple who are having a highly dysfunctional marriage on the brink of divorce. And it ends up being that he gets entwined into their Marital family troubles. problems, exactly, all while trying to get the hell out of the out situation of, he's well, in. out of the town. Yeah. Because he's about to be caught. He's, like, wanted at large kind of thing. Right. And if you look... And the funny thing is, for a long time, I didn't think that Gus was the main character. I thought he was kind of a strong plot-carrying supporting character and that really it was more or less 
the characters of Lloyd and Caroline, who were played by Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis. But really, actually, he is kind of the main character. Well, I mean, the ref, the titles for him. Right. But also, even though the movie kind of opens with the couple, ends with him. Right. So, eh, maybe it could be something that's shared. Yeah, it's it could be one of those things. That, some people criticize that the plot is a little uneven because you're not sure whose story it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly don't care whose story it is. It's just it's an interesting story. I don't think it doesn't work because it, we're not quite sure whose focus it is on because it really is kind of on all three of them. Okay. In a way. I mean, without having seen the movie, it, it does draw a lot of striking parallels to, to the shark in the movie that, <laughs> that I did see. <laughs> right. Who is only accredited as, as shark number one in, in, in the movie. And absolutely, a show stealer, by all means, but uh, but really not not the primary focus. I mean, it, it's what brings everyone together. That's what I, I think we're all trying to say. Thanks for that, Eric. You're welcome. Uh- <laughs> Um, one thing I do like about this movie is a lot of the humor because it, I mean, it opens with this uh, this couple in, you know, a marital counselor's office and they're trying to work through their stuff, but instantly the humor's already kind of coming out. If you're looking for it, it could just be a really awful, uncomfortable situation, but you kind of find a lot of the pettiness and, you know, some of the, the digs that they're taking at each other to be just damn funny. Um, no, they totally are. So I would say that the probably the dialogue is the biggest strength of this movie. Oh, the dialogue Definitely. is razor sharp. Like the opening does totally set the tone, doesn't it? I, mean, I love the whole line. Like he has skills that the mafia gives scholarships for. Yeah. Like he gave <laughs> talking about the son. He gave my mother's number out to the entire varsity football team at his high school, and then she says, "And I say, getting laid by an eighteen-year-old linebacker is just what she needs." <laughs> <laughs> so. What I think it comes down to is Dennis Leary is a, a damn fine actor, despite the fact that he's a stand-up comedian by trade. I mean, he did go to Emerson College in Boston, which is a known theater and film conservatory. So he had all the training going into it. You've got Kevin Spacey, who is a former Juilliard student, Judy Davis, who has a long... I don't know where she trained, but she's got a long career in television, film, and theater. So you have three really strong actors who can just punch out these lines like it's nothing. I mean, on top of that, it's like it's a really strong, rounded-out cast too. Glynis Johns playing mm-hmm. the mother-in-law from Hell. You know her from Mary Poppins because she played Mrs. Banks. Yep. So she has this, you know, like a very innocent demeanor, and she's just a total raging bitch in this movie. Oh, she's pretty awful. She is pretty awful. Yeah, but Kevin Spacey gets her so good with that line. What's one of my favorite lines in any movie? Oh, that you know what, Mom? You know what we're gonna do next Christmas? We're going to get you a big wooden cross, so every time you feel unappreciated, you can climb on up and nail yourself to it. Unappreciated yeah. for all your sacrifices, yeah. 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 Yep. I just watched it a couple days ago, so I, the dialogue's still fresh <laughs> in my mind. Uh, and Christine Baranski, too, uh, mm-hmm. another vet of Broadway and of television, um, playing Connie. She's one of those, like, if you look her up and you see her, then you'll be like, oh, that chick. She was <laughs> also in The Grinch. She's mm-hmm. done. A, she actually has done her fair share of Christmas movies. I wonder how that happens. Does one get, like, just typecast into Christmas movies? Does that happen? I don't know if that just happens. I'm sure it's just steady work, and then I see her in one movie, and sure. they see that she can play a certain kind of character. You know, they just keep asking her. Yeah. It is kind of guaranteed work every year, though. I guess so. This is true. Come yeah. October, yeah. And I, I loved her character in this. Like, she's so completely hypercritical of them when they've got all their own problems that I love just when they kind of come to a head in that, like, situation when they're on the living room and it becomes apparent that Dennis Slater is actually holding them all hostage. <laughs> right. And, you know, she has a whole 
line that she repeats, don't make me nuts today, it's Christmas. Yeah. And uh, she's always about, like, is this a Christmas story? I have never heard of such a Christmas. Like, she's just this... Yeah, when they're telling the story of, of St. Lucia, which you guys just talked about, right? On Nerds on History, yes, we yeah, did. Yeah, and she's just like... She's like, somebody gets burned at the stake? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because when the the wraparounds in this movie, the callbacks in this movie are so brilliant because in the opening of the movie, you hear Lloyd talking about how she wastes money on photography courses, uh, existential philosophy courses, Scandinavian cooking courses, and talks about what, why so you can take a picture of Ludafisk to prove the nothingness of being. And... Uh, What's funny is that, no, we just kind of leave it alone, but then an hour later when they get to the actual dinner, it's a Scandinavian... It's a Scandinavian <laughs> dinner. Christmas dinner uh, with the Lucia Complete with lambgookins. With lambgookins, <laughs> exactly. And everybody in that room is wearing these ridiculous-looking Lucia wreaths. Mm -hmm. And it is... The, the sheer absurdity of that alone is, like, it really sets the tone for what happens from there forward. This movie, I think, actually did only kind of marginally well when it came out, too. I'm just kind of surprised. It's one of those things that has really gotten better with age. I see 11 million in the box office. Which is not that much. I mean, the movie's budget was, I think, probably about that, if not more. We'll have to, we'll have to check Rotten Tomatoes on that one to be certain. So not quite a flop, but certainly breaking even. Yeah, mediocre. It it's did really well based on uh, the reviews, though. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 70%. Yeah, so it's considered a fresh, um, but it's really it's found its audience in home video. The movie's 19 years old at this point, so it's available on Amazon. It's available on iTunes. It's available pretty much through every avenue of video except for Netflix, I think. So it's definitely accessible to people, and people seeing Dennis Leary before he really his career really took off, at least television and film acting. It's kind of cool to see him be an extension of his early stand-up. Like, has any, any of you guys seen No Cure for Cancer at all? I have not actually. No Cure for Cancer was his one man show he did i think back in the early 90s and it was the kind of character the kind of explosive temperament that gus has is very much pulled from that type of stand-up i think it was he brought that to the character and yet at the same time brought this sense of um realism too like when he's talking about the monologue about uh, there's a certain point where jesse their son makes it home and also gets tied up and everything they have this great scene where jesse is totally unhappy because his parents have been sending him to military school and he talks about how he wants to live Gus's life but Gus is saying I'm tired of my life you know it's it sounds fun when you're young but when you're 35 and you don't have a house or a family it sucks just a little bit yeah <laughs> in a way Lloyd and Caroline have what Gus wants and maybe that's why he's so uptight with them is because like they're not appreciative of what they've already got well that's very clear that's a big thing for him um, he talks about that a lot like you guys don't understand what you have you don't get what you have um, even when he's talking about the painting on the hallway when she's like, oh yeah, that's terrible. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, that's a really valued piece of art. But then again, at the end, when like he just kind of says, I'm never having kids. And he like goes off into the night on the boat. So is he really learning that lesson of like, that's the stuff that he really wants? Or he's like, oh Jesus Christ, that is not what I want at all. These people are nuts. Maybe. It's... What's the lesson there for Gus? Yeah, exactly. That's is part of the uneven aspect i think yeah of the script too you're not really sure what <laughs> what growth he's had i mean he's a criminal right so sure he's not gonna all of a sudden turn in the jewels and just become a, a better you know, man a better man that wouldn't fit the tone of the film at right. all the, the and in that sense that's really more lloyd's story because lloyd finally st stands up for himself and does the right thing and sees this good man who just yes happens to be a criminal which i guess to me makes him think that maybe gus is more like an intrusion character to the plot he's a motivator for the plot mm -hmm. i guess he's one of those examples of main character but not protagonist that yeah. maybe 
Yeah. Lloyd is in fact the protagonist of the film. Right, like like the shark. Like yes, Eric, the like the shark. Yes, Eric, like the fucking That's the shark. only thing I have to work off of. You know that I have this problem where I can't read or listen. So <laughs> But yet you can write and you can talk. It's funny. I know. I don't know how it works. It just does. Well, he said he doesn't listen. He didn't say that he doesn't hear, so... That's true. <laughs> so at least he can talk. There's that. Yeah. He just didn't read the instructions to watch the movie. <laughs> I watched a movie. Okay. I watched a movie. A movie. <laughs> Not the movie that we were going to be the discussing. Movie. Be that so. as it may. All right, Sean, but this is another, like, classic for you, too, right? Yes, yes. I love this movie because of all the quotes that Brian's been talking about. It's just a really quotable movie. And I'm a huge fan of dialogue-driven movies, which I think is one of the reasons that I put up with some of the lesser points of a lot of Kevin Smith scripts. The dialogue is so great in this movie. You have to agree with me at least on that. I know you, you're not as enamored with it as we are, but the no, dialogue. No, no, no. The dialogue was amazing. I definitely appreciated the dialogue. I think there was a little something lost on this, and I think it was just me not being as invested as I would hope to be. I don't feel like the movie itself drew me in, and I, f- and I felt the unevenness of the story. Question, did you see it by yourself, or did you see it with somebody? No, I saw it by myself. I think having a few other people in the room makes a, a huge difference, because when I was watching it the other night, I wasn't laughing as hard at some of the gags. Granted, I've seen the movie several times before, but sometimes having other people in the room to share in the experience with, I think. Sure, well, the comedy wasn't lost on me. Okay. That's not... It was the story. Mm, okay. No, the dialogue and the comedy was great. I just wasn't invested in you just, the You, re- you saw the flaws as they were yeah. coming up. Okay. But that doesn't mean I, I didn't dislike it. It was just like, yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You guys grew up on it, though. You have a whole other sense of nostalgia about it that I that's it's just true. lost on me. What, what I did really like about it, though, is that around Christmas time, you get so many stories about families, and it's nice to see one that actually seems truly dysfunctional as opposed to, like, yeah. oh, someone's just not the Christmas spirit. You know? <laughs> like, it's a little bit more yeah. than that. Um, and, and there's something that's deeper rooted to that and, and the fact that it kind of just revolves around these marital troubles, which, you know, you find out, oh, it's financial stuff. It's this, that, and the other. And they're just haven't been communicating well and, and perception, is, you know, makes a big difference on everything. You mean kind of like it's a wonderful life? <laughs> well, yeah, but it's but it was really nice. It's a refreshing way of doing it. Yeah. I liked that. Can I add something real quick? Go ahead. I just did a little additional research, and you said it only made about $11 million in the box office, which is not huge. It released in March, uh, which is kind of interesting. March? It, yeah, released in March. For a Christmas March. movie? Yeah, March 11th. That's and an odd time to release a Christmas movie. It, it is. And it released uh, in the same month as Naked Gun 33 and a third. A third. The Final uh, Insult. D2, The Mighty Ducks. And then uh, also Four Weddings and a Funeral. So it was oh. up against some classics that were out You know, there. it's funny you bring that up because when we went to go see D2, I just distinctly remember those movies were playing in the same house as it. And we're like, huh. Why the hell would you release a Christmas movie at March? Okay, and, and here's the thing. I actually feel like you could take this entire scenario, take it out of Christmas, put it in a different time, and it would be exactly the same. You just need some sort of excuse for more family to come over. Yeah, I'd agree with That's that. That's the only reason why Christmas makes a part in that movie is because it's a reason for the family to come over for dinner. You could have easily done it for Thanksgiving or Arbor Day. But yeah, I mean, I have, <laughs> I have huge Arbor Day feasts uh, at my house. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, chop down a tree. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Arbor Day. Arbor Day. You don't celebrate Arbor Day? The I day do. where you plant a tree? 
Yeah. That that day. That's yeah. Oh, you're supposed yeah. to plant a tree. Oh. oh, it's funny though that we have two totally, <laughs> totally separate family traditions, yet are exactly the exactly same. And they're the both same. horribly wrong. <laughs> it's funny how that works out. So you guys thought that our day was like you know cutting down a tree, like yeah, let's add the deforestation. Well, you eat it. Yep. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody else is planting a tree, and if unless we want trees to become sentient and rule us, like in the happening, do you cut down want a few. that, Brian? Do yeah. you want the trees? Do you to take want over? trees? We to, need to, we need to send that. a clear message to the trees, and I'll, I'll tell you right now: the Amazon rainforest is not clear enough. <laughs> Folks, don't let Marky Mark be our savior. Cut down a damn tree. <laughs> <laughs> our Lord and Savior, Marky Mark. I do think it's funny that the movie is kind of like the antithesis of it's a wonderful life and yet it is on several times throughout that the movie just in the background yeah i think that's kind of uh, interesting Uh, i wonder if that was a choice by ted demi for a reason um what i also find interesting is the original ending had gus being caught by the cops oh really? yeah and it was supposed to show that jesse that hey crime actually does have consequences i think the kid probably got the worst lesson here like yeah, your parents fight a lot, and you really want out, but crime does pay, and it's cool, because even if you do become a criminal, like, your parents are still going to get back together. Yeah, and apparently, uh, after a test screening, it got negative responses, so the director went back and changed it. It's the test audience that probably ruined it, because they get invested in the character, not understanding the arc of the story. They get invested in the character of Dennis Leary, and they're like, oh, I don't want to see him get caught by the cops. That's terrible. And then later on, when you're examining the movie like we are, you see that hole, and it's because a studio went in the opposite direction of the person who is creatively responsible for the story. And Demi actually ended up regretting changing the ending to it. See, I would have been one of those people. I would not want to have sent him to prison because he's just got such lovely hair, and I am just I just imagine the worst see, for him behind but bars. But he's... <laughs> But he's such an asshole through the whole thing. It's not like I would I would have been that upset about it. Yeah, you know I you do know? like the, I liked his whole like tough love approach thing. That was that was pretty awesome. But at the same time, it's like let's not forget the fact that he's a criminal. He steals from people, and even he smells he, like cat piss. He smells like cat piss. I loved that joke at the very end. He's like, "What's that smell?" <laughs> but even though like the hostages forgave him, helped him escape, or whatever. He's still a criminal. He still held people hostage for several hours. I'm really confused where that gives him a pass. Yeah. <clears throat> but, oh, he helped us fix our relationship issues. Right. Yeah, so it, it does have a terrible moral to the story, I will admit. Well, I've got the perfect idea. Let, let, let's bring it back as a sequel, right? We'll bring back Dennis Leary, just him. We don't need anyone else. And we'll have him on, a, on an island resort where he is the the marriage counselor for for a group of <laughs> oh okay he just watched Oprah until he could get his so that's license like to the appendices therapy. to the <laughs> yeah okay. yeah yeah you see the picture yeah although I f- I also feel like I would not have been able to watch this movie if it wasn't for Kevin Spacey yeah Kevin yeah. Spacey has some amazing monologues. I mean, Kevin Spacey is amazing in general. Yes, that's true. Uh, This is a young Kevin Spacey just before he got discovered, because this came out a year before The Usual Suspects Mm. came out. So he had done Glengarry Glenn Ross, and he had done, I think, uh, The Big Kahuna at this point, but he had not really gotten the Oscar-winning household name reputation that he has today. Does he sing in the movie at all? He does not sing in the movie. That's a damn shame. Because that man has a lovely voice. He's a fine singer. Yes, indeed. Beyond the Sea... When he's like being Bobby Darren, it's like, oh, yeah. shut the fuck up, good. Yes, indeed. Well, so there is one famous line in the movie 
that I have to recite. And I'm gonna find. And I found out just now that it's been lifted from another movie. Okay, or at least part of it is. So let me call it up. You know what, lady? I gotta tie you to the back of a fucking truck. And then Rose says, "You don't have the balls." And Gus leaves out like, "I fucking, I fucking hate her, Lloyd. I fucking hate her." I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't get it. I thought old ladies were supposed to be sweet and caring. And I know loan sharks more considerate than you. Your husband ain't dead, lady. He's hiding. <laughs> and it turns out that that line, your husband ain't dead, lady, he's hiding, is a direct quote from the Abbott and Costello classic routine they call the Susicana Hot Company. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's direct lift up from that. So. Oh. Well, I'll be dipped. Given how much of his background is, I'm almost wondering how many of the lines were allowed to be improvised. Because, I mean, Kevin Spacey's got a pretty strong improv uh, background, too. I yeah. mean, he never did, was not on an improv team, but he's known for being able to ad lib. Well, sure, but I, I, with the dialogue being so sharp, I don't know if that means that I would imagine that it wouldn't have been that ad-libbed because when you look at more like the goofy comedies, like the Apatow comedies where people are pretty much ad-libbing damn near the whole thing, the dialogue isn't necessarily as sharp. Even the Christopher Guest movies, which I adore, but like those mockumentaries are mostly ad-libbed as well, um, as opposed to something like, say, Kevin Smith, as we were talking before, where you can tell it's like scripted sharp. And that's... Um, I think that kind of falls. So I wouldn't. I would imagine that maybe this probably wasn't. So there is a scene that uh, John, one of our spectators, has graciously pulled up for us, and there's a couple of them. One is the uh, <laughs> the line where he calls the bartender because we've been talking about Gus, but he also has a drunken sidekick named Murray, who is uh, totally hapless. Is, there, is Murray there? I don't think he's here, pal. See, is there a fucking waste of life? Named waste of fucking life named Murray. Try that. Is there a fucking waste of life named Murray here? Oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> There's a couple of great ones. Like I love that. From now on, the only person who gets to yell is me. Why? Because I've got a gun. People with guns get to do whatever they want. Married people without guns, for instance, you do not get to yell. See why? No guns. No guns. No yelling. See. Equation. <laughs> <laughs> See, I so think they true. let Dennis Leary ad lib though, because yeah. Dennis Leary is so Dennis Leary in this movie that they had to have let him. Well, exactly. Maybe, yeah, probably. For yes. sure, the the end scene when he goes off on Murray at the end while they're oh, going on the boat. Oh yeah, yeah. That's all just straight out of a Dennis Leary act, and I have that pulled up if you want me to do it. <laughs> oh please, do that one. That one's Gussie? so good. Gussie, when are we gonna exchange <laughs> presents? Presents? Is that what you said? Presents? I'll tell you what. As soon as we get back, we're going to open the presents. Matter of fact, I'll save you the trouble. Your present is a giant fucking cannon, okay? And when you get back, you're going to crawl into it, okay? I'm going to put two pounds of gunpowder in there. I'm going to light it up, and I'm going to shoot you right out into fucking Jersey, okay? And then I'm going to steal a car, drive to Jersey, pick up all the little fucking pieces of your body, put them in a big plastic bag, bring it back to my house, put them in the fireplace, light them on fire. I'm going to sit there with a glass of whiskey and watch the Charlie Brown fucking special with your ashes heating my fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Gassy, what smells like your. What's that smell? What's that smell? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that was a good end because you didn't even see his face when he sang all that. It's just the boat like driving away. It is great. That reminds me of almost that, that angry rant he has in the asshole song. You know what I'm talking about, Sean? Mm -hmm. But it's yes. funny because he hasn't really played that type of character in like at least 10 years. All his other characters have been much more. Contained. He was on that TV show too, the one that was Rescue on. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I granted I didn't see much of it, but the the scenes of him I saw in that he was very 
kind of tame. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also tame in a movie called Suicide Kings, except for one scene where he ends up like beating the crap out of this abusive father. Not his father, but he... No, Somebody girl. else's yeah. father who's yeah. abusive. And he's the most Yeah, we, for- we got to see a lot of Dennis Leary vehicles as children. My dad was such a fan that he even took us to see, in the theater, Two If By Sea with Sandra Bullock. Which was a pretty, it was a pretty yes. bad movie, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And again, another movie where he plays an art thief. Weird, yeah. right? Kind of weird. I gotta say, that was a pretty ingenious uh, security system that they had, though, to in the beginning. Although, he opens up the safe, right? And then um, he, like, touches the thing. Cat piss sprays on him. And then all of a sudden, the floor... With the weird little cat sound, too. Like, why the... Yeah, that was weird that they actually had the cat sound, too. Probably to just let you know, hey, it's cat pee. Um, but then he does say cat piss. So then he uh, drops... The floor drops down. He slides down. And there's a fucking dog. Now, here's what I want to know. How long has that dog been hanging out in that basement? <laughs> exactly, right? Because that's really, that's fucked up. That is animal cruelty, <laughs> and I don't support that. And, yeah. how, and how have they trained it to a point, like, what kind of bones are they giving it that it can chew through a cue ball? Yeah, right? So right? Easily. No kidding. And I want to know, who collected the cat urine? Oh. Exactly. And how? And speaking I can get of, you some cat urine, Eric. You don't want to know how, but I can get you some. I, I can get that. you some in 15 minutes. <laughs> what was that line? Yeah, it was, that what was that line? Like, they, they give the ski mask to the inspector, and they're like, what is this? Urine. Oh, thank God. Gary thought it might be semen. <laughs> Gary, needs, Gary needs to talk to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know it was sharks. Actually, yeah. I, lo- I love right. the line. Bob, Bob, I nailed your wife last year when oh you were out God. of town. Three times, Bob. <laughs> she said you never go three times. Oh, man. This is after this. He has such great lines. He in totally movies. did. What's I mean, that it's actor's like, name? Oh, uh, pulling it up right now. Something have... Barry. His last name's Barry. I know that. Yes, indeed. He Hang plays on. a really great asshole in everything. I think his first name was Twiggin. Uh, Raymond Twiggin J. Barry, Barry yes. Uh, speaking I of... thought it was Franken. <laughs> Franken. <laughs> Franken Barry. I thought it was Crunch. The cereal, the cereal magnate. <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes, Frankenberry is actually a cereal magnate who is from Malta. And he came to the U.S. with a stunning idea to do a monster-themed cereal. But sadly, somebody had already come up with Count Chocula. So <laughs> he just kind of had to ride that train. He actually came from a small Sorry for region. that. That wasn't that funny. He, also came, he, he actually came from a small portion of Malta that was under the jurisdiction of another company came Miel. So for a long time, they just called it by both its names, Malta Miel. Like Malta. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wait, wasn't I supposed to make that joke? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That was a Brickmont level pun. <laughs> oh, wow. It's all in the delivery, Brian. It is all. That, that's how I've survived you, all these years. Do you years. want to take it? Take it then. It's The magic is gone. I, I'm sorry. Are, are we on Nerds on History? Yeah, oh. not quite. Yeah, Brian, that joke needed a lot more cock or sentient. Maybe it should have been. Hordes. Maybe it should have been said by Alan. Maybe if Alan does it, it'd be it'd be funnier. And don't don't try to fix it. No. Um, <laughs> you're just gonna have to lie in that. Just bed. just just you you just rub your nose in it and you just deal with yes, it. Yes, yes. You lie in that bed of shame and urine, <laughs> cat urine, in fact. <laughs> oh, oh, thank God! I thought it was semen. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going with this? Uh, I don't know. This was your episode, bud. Yeah. I'm outlining mine. Good. (laughs) Thanks. I think the the next logical step is really just to talk about referees. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, you know, we could do movie referees. That's fine. Well, okay, actually, we haven't really talked too much about the relationship of Dennis Leary to this couple. Yes, he's holding them hostage, but what else is he doing for them in the meantime? Well, I mean, I guess the movie lives up to its title because of the fact that Dennis Leary... He ends up having to play the referee for not just Caroline and Lloyd, but really the whole family. And he doesn't fix the marriage, but he he helps kind of put things in perspective, even if indirectly. Because a lot of his things he does... I mean, he does kind of mention, like, to make these jokes about, you know, why don't you just go on fucking Oprah and get it dealt with Mm -hmm. already. And um, his sheer presence there, I think the crisis of it is what leads to the uh, the appreciation of it. Sean. The crisis situation plus Dennis Leary's presence there are both catalysts in the in this marriage finding its way towards the light, I think. Because it's obvious that traditional mediation with a, with a therapist was not working. They kind of needed somebody who was going to be an asshole and kind of just scream in their face exactly what they needed to hear. Yeah, the movie is kind of an indictment of marriage counseling, isn't it? Because most therapists do try to maintain neutrality and not try to put it blame on any on either spouse. Well, actually, here so here's the thing: what he what he was doing is he was maintaining neutrality, but he's ma- maintaining neutral blame. So whereas one person is guilty of something, another person is guilty of another. And so kind of by proving out both of their faults to them, saying, yes, this person is right to say this, but this person's also right to say that. So it's not like resting all on one person's shoulders right. as opposed to, well, what is this? How does that make you and feel about it? And there's the bit where they're both bickering and they're tied up in the chairs and Dennis Larry just knocks him over and said, did you say you would quit, Caroline? In reference to <laughs> the cigarettes. Yes. Then you are a liar. And then Lloyd's all smugly <laughs> laughing. And then he's like, he saw the stop sign, didn't you, Lloyd? Because they run through a stop sign about 10 minutes before. And he's like nervously yeah. shaking his head. Then you... you stop the stop sign. sign. And then he says, yes. Well, then that makes you a liar. Capital L, small I, small A, small R, period. Yeah, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. He calls them out on both their, their nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also calls out Lloyd's mother on her nonsense, she is such a bitch. She's not a bitch. She's a fucking bitch, Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> When they're in the kitchen. So even though he's this morally questionable character, he is kind of the most earnest person in the entire movie. The earnest, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he just kind of sees, calls it like he sees it, really, with it, with everything. And I think that's endearing, but not endearing enough to let him get away with everything. Right. Uh, <laughs> but they try to spin him to be like the criminal with the heart of gold. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no. It's... That's kind of hard to do because he doesn't give back the jewels. or There's no other form of redemption. He walks away with the goods, you know? Yeah, scot-free. Exactly. But with a better perspective on family, in which case he's like, oh, hell no, and just keeps going on his merry way. Um, <laughs> yeah, if he was the main character of this movie, it would be a really just depressing Christmas movie. What about also the cops? The, let's talk about the cops in this movie. because Like the most they're inept terrible. police force they're, ever? They're <laughs> terrible. I mean, they record over the security footage where they could find out like what he looks like. They record over it with It's a Wonderful Life. But ultimately, also, the state troopers that come in to finally track the guy down... They come in, they find the hostages, whatever, and they're like, oh, yeah, he said he was going this way, blah, blah, blah. And yet they don't take them in for questioning. I don't care if they're fighting or whatever. They don't take them in for any sort of statement or anything like that. And they're just like, oh, no, we'll believe you that he said that he went to an airport, in which case he's a criminal. He could be lying and could have said that to the hostages. Well, when you have anyway, I think at this point, when you establish in this world that you've got a completely hapless local police force you can't really assume the state troopers are going to be that much better. Sure. 
And uh, given that it's late on Christmas Eve and knowing that bringing him downtown is going to be easily another three hours of work sure. when you're just trying home to your family, I buy it. Okay. I guess so. That's like really bad police work. But okay. It's very bad police work. But I'm also, not defending it. I'm just saying. Ultimately, I mean, the reason that they were defending why the police force was so bumbling anyway was because that these are rich white people in this small community who have right. no problems. Exactly. Like <laughs> And like they said, like he says in the, like the chief says in the beginning, you know, you guys only ever call us when your dogs aren't humping each other without permission. So right. <laughs> you call usually when it's something bad happens, you call your lawyer friends and your attorney general friends. So why don't right. you go call them now and get the hell out of my office? Yeah. He's also kind of a very blunt character too, because it's it's very much yeah you're right it's these oh dear christ someone left a frappuccino on my lawn you know well really i think that what it boils down to is just being an indictment of being a spoiled rich person yeah they're true there's lots of social commentary Mm -hmm. in this there's commentary on marriage counseling there's commentary on the the sociological structure of the east coast (laughs) um and on internal family lending (laughs) yes indeed overbearing mothers-in-laws as well yes mother-in-laws it's there's definitely and by the way there's a lot of houses in connecticut that just kind of look like that i wouldn't even say they're mansions those are just kind of just the houses they have well yeah Yeah, if you've ever been to richfield richfield's got tons of those that is kind of more of an upscale area Mm -hmm. of the state though so well my mom lives in the south and her and her house is pretty much that same kind of size yeah yeah and that just happens to be because they don't live in California where it's compact and expensive. Exactly. They, they have <laughs> room to expand. Yes. It's also because it's fucking hot as shit in the summertime there. Yeah. There's that too. Ugh. Yeah. So three months of the year, it's just totally unbearable. Yep. Thank God for air conditioning. Which played an integral part in the ref, air conditioning. Because <laughs> even mentioned- though it's winter... You have to make sure there's air circulating with yeah. so many family members, some being children, who may or may not have shit their pants. <laughs> Even though they're pretty old, kids a, shit their pants. <laughs> in, in a way, if Thank this... Thank you for bringing it back, Sean. <laughs> and the elderly. Don't forget the elderly often shit their pants <laughs> as well. Yes. If, thank, wow, thank you, Eric. That would explain why the mother's so upset if she's sitting in a pile of her own shit and it depends. Can yeah, we, maybe when she said that she was going to go change her shoes upstairs, she really wanted to change her, her adult diaper. Yeah. Um, can we talk about pace for a second? I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> the pacing at which old people shit themselves? That's gross, Brian. <laughs> no, the pacing of the story, but sure. Short, controlled bursts. <laughs> just like just like a machine gun in the military. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> I keep a small water bottle of prune juice on me, just in case. <laughs> Oh, wow. No, I was going to say just the pacing of the movie is such that if it were a bit faster, it actually would be pretty much be a farce. But yeah. yet, because it's slower in pace, it takes on this more of a dark comedy. And I, it's funny because we talked about the beginning where he gets the robot cat piss on him and then he gets the trap door with a dog waiting. Robot and he cat piss? <laughs> <laughs> what well, is? Because it's a machine that like meows at him and sprays him with... So wh- how is it not a robot? Uh, it's a mechanism. Fine. It's not a robot. Cat piss mechanism. What? Fine. Cat piss mechanism. Dispenser. Jesus Christ. So when you... Semantics, but Brian. Thank you. Thank you. There was that line that, that Dennis Story has where he says if it wasn't for that, that Roadrunner fucking... First off, he just says the F-bomb like crazy in this movie. But he said, if it wasn't for the fucking Roadrunner trap door, I would already be in Jamaica by now. And it is true. It's this absurdly cartoonish. Um, there's a lot of these absurdly cartoonish moments, like where Lloyd is hitting the Christmas tree with the, the hot poker from the, you know, when he's trying to say, excuse me, excuse me! Yeah. You know? 
pretty much anytime there's this explosion of energy, it seems it happens very intensely. And if it were just happening in more rapid succession of, it, of each other, it would be, feel very cartoony. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Again, just pulling more and more parallels to the shark. It's it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the more I think Christ. about it, the Murray character, from what I'm hearing, sounds a lot like the dolphin they encounter at the very oh. end of the movie. Great. Drunk dolphin. Eric, <laughs> let the shark go, please. It's all I have. That's it. There's a shark. Okay, so what if we remade the ref with an all shark cast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dennis Leary would be a So okay. clearly the Dennis Leary's character would be played sharks. by uh played by Jabberjaw. <laughs> oh we're gonna oh we're gonna go with other yeah. sharks? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think I think Gus should be the one from Deep Lucy. Yeah, the ones that can Lucy. swim backwards. And Lloyd would be Jabberjaw. And then um, clearly the mother is going to be played by Jaws. I was just yeah. going to say that. I was just going to say that. Right. Yes. She has to be, no question. <laughs> and um, can we animate it like Shark Tales? Because <laughs> then we could get um, Will Smith in there. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, And Jack Black, too, yep. while you're at it. Yeah. Jack yeah. Black. Jack could Black get should the be English the sharks from Finding Nemo. Oh, that's Fish. right. No, 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 they were Australian. <laughs> they were Australian, not English. Oh, they were Australian? That's yeah, right. They were in yeah. Australia. That Whatever. Right. <laughs> Would be the first time that we've and made that Sean mistake on single-handedly this alienated our entire Australian audience. Goodbye, we've Ben. Thank you. <laughs> and Steven, I thank didn't. you. It's been okay. fun. Oh, yeah. What I meant to say was, those sharks from the Escape from New York-style prison island that Britain owns called Australia. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back, Sean, please. That's still, that's still, that's still going on, right? <laughs> it's no longer a penal colony, no. Don't, doesn't the queen force them to play rugby to the death or something? <laughs> can we can we write a movie that, that is a, a historical farce of the founding of Australia and have that just be the... <laughs> that would be horribly offensive unless it's made by Australians, so no. Oh, okay. Well, Eric does a really good Australian it. accent, so I'll, he can pretend he's the writer-director. I'll tell you what was made by Australians. The Reef. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, oh taking my. it back, what about Jesse? We haven't talked about the sun very much. Oh, so, man. He's a demon seed. What else is there to know? <laughs> right, there we go. <laughs> they, um, we don't see him in the beginning until there's a, a moment of him developing photos because there was things where you had to uh, develop photos back in the day. You actually yeah. had to have a dark he turns room. It turns out that Jesse <laughs> has made a quite a profitable career blackmailing his uh, one of his teacher's who played has been by having an affair, played officer. by J.K. Simmons. Superior exactly. officer, yes. it's a military school. Wait, whatever, it's a military <laughs> school. So yes, it is a superior officer, but it is also a teacher. So let's just accept it and move on, okay? Yes. Anyway, so he's he's blackmailing <laughs> his superior officer, teacher, peoples, and um, and he's coming, and he's on his way home for the holiday, and he's like, you know, he has the cab circle the block because he knows... It's a limo. A, a limo, that's right. He has the limo circle the block because he knows that his parents are just going to be fighting, and it's going to be obnoxious, and then he finally gets in there, and he's held hostage, too, and has his little, like, heart-to-heart moment with Gus where he's like, I want to be a criminal, too, and he's like, kid, it's not worth it, and it's all inspirational and shit. And that's kind of really all that we get from that kid. Aside from, like, man, I hope my parents really actually stay together and work out their problems. Well, no, he also mentioned at the end where they, they talk about him, when they're having a fight, how it's, you know, it's it's his problem, too. It's not yeah, just sure. their problem. Okay, and that's, and that's fair. And probably because of all their fighting and bullshit is why he's such a fucked up kid. I think that was one of the things that they were also trying to lean towards. 
Yeah. Because they've been so wrapped up in their own problems and their own issues that maybe they, like, with the dad not being as interested because the son, you know, when he does something wrong, he just condemns him for it, and then the mom coddles him too much, and it's not even yeah. parenting. Yeah. and So clearly, more social commentary then. Yeah, and Lloyd is a character who is pretty much, he, he's kind of grown to resent Caroline because he's had to make all the hard decisions. She never wanted to make a hard decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why he's just kind of done when she, when he finds out that she had had an affair. That's just, by the way, the, the pretty much the, the crux of them wanting to get a divorce, yeah. too, is that she got so bored and unfulfilled that she had an affair. But it's also because, again, I think it's kind of this cycle. And in a way, that's what I think makes the story even more about Lloyd. A lot of what's gone wrong has been partially because of his doing. I, I can't You can't blame it all on him, but you can say that he's been the influence for a lot of this other, this other instance taking sure. place. So, I want to ask you this question then. I mean, the movie kind of leaves it a little bit more open where you think there's a chance of reconciliation past this crisis. Yeah. Which... You were right to call it, John, to call it a catalyst because it's one of those situations that had it been any other burglar or any other thief, like this would have been the thing that also tears them apart, probably from PTSD. But but it brings them closer together, helps them at least expose their problems more, but not necessarily solve them. They can work together a little bit better at the end to help get the situation out of it. They did kind of admit to their problems. They did. That's what I'm saying. Expose the problems, admit to them, but that doesn't mean that those problems are fixed. It just means that you're self-aware. Self-awareness is the first step towards recovery. Well, every 12-step program begins with the viewing of this movie. Sure, there you go. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. So, I want to ask you, Brian, do you think that they get back together after this movie or not? There is this one and moment. should they? Well, so there is that moment when they're sitting on the stairs and they're drinking wine. Or they're sharing a glass of wine, which I find very, very interesting. Yeah. Definitely a nice little activity of, of intimacy. And they talk about, so what are they going to do? What are we going to tell? And then, you know, Lloyd's saying, well, if they give the money back, they'll, you know to the superior officer slash uh, teacher that they won't press charges. <laughs> but uh, she says, well, no, we're going to tell Jesse about us. And Lloyd has this kind of moment where he, he doesn't have anything to say other than just says, oh, Caroline. And But they're about to kiss. They're about to have this, this moment of reconnection. The way I, t- I took it when I saw it originally, and I still take it to this day, is that he doesn't have anything to say because there's so much that's already been said. And yeah. he... He just feels like he just feels like a, a shit for what's happened. That's kind of where I took from it. Did you guys have a different interpretation? I think that it's that it seems like the way the script was written that it was the first time that they were starting, and I emphasis on starting, to take responsibility for the things that have gone wrong in the family, because it's not just them; it's the kid too, and they're starting to see what the effect is on them, and they're starting to realize how it's not just them, it is Jesse, and their problems are his problems, and they owe it to him and to themselves to at least try. And at the same time, one of the big grieving points that Caroline has with Lloyd is, in fact, that he lives in the shadow of his of his mother, right? That he never stands up to her. The fact that he starts to do that already shows that he has started to change, right? That he's starting to take control and take accountability for what's wrong with his life. So that leads me to think there's a far more optimistic outlook for the end of the movie. So you think they get back together? John, what do you think? I think either they get back together or Jesse blackmails them because that's what he says at the very end of the movie. He's like, I think my dad's going to be different now. And if not, I'll blackmail them. Okay. I okay. swear to God, if you mention no, the shark, no, Eric. no, Eric, did, did the sharks get back together at the end of the reef? Well, I mean, parts of them do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's it's really difficult to say. I, I, I've I've talked so much about the shark that I completely forgot to mention any of the other people in which the shark was eating. Um, <laughs> and I really see a lot of a lot of uh, Judy Davis's character in Kate, who is the sole survivor. Uh, who's the one that didn't get eaten and all rights should have but didn't. Oh, okay. And, uh, I mean, really, you have to see the movie to, to understand where I'm coming from with this. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to so say... So why don't you go out and watch The Reef? Don't worry. We'll wait. Welcome, Welcome back. back. <laughs> Wasn't it fantastic? Wasn't the bit where the, where the sea turtle lost his head just I am not welcome backing that shit. I'm it's sorry. like Brian's like, I'm not contributing this weirdness. <laughs> Well, okay, so I I don't know if they get back together or not, but I think that if they try, they're just going to find something else. I think they're just... Um, but I'm also kind of pessimistic and a little, little cynical about these sorts of situations. But I feel like, yes, they can take responsibility for themselves, but again, self-awareness is one step. So maybe they can become more self-aware and then realize, wow, this is a really shit situation. We have different outlooks on what we want out of life. Yeah, I, I see that point, but I think the point, the reason I was bringing up Lloyd starting to put his mother in her place is to show that it was beyond awareness for him, that he actually is starting to proactively change, make changes in his life. Okay. Can we talk for a second about the highly inaccurate uh, depictions of the Scandinavian dinner scene? God <laughs> <laughs> damn it, Alan. There isn't a slightest bit of Lindenberry jam anywhere to be seen. You cannot and... make a criminal out of parsnips, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> if I could throw my scarf over my shoulder any more than I already have, I would. <laughs> And then walk out. Right. <laughs> Sean just Sean's putting it together in his head. He's waiting for a comment. He's concocting it. I, I was thinking of one, but I don't have anything as good as the Scandinavian dinner one. There, so there's no reason to try to top it. Personally, I wouldn't have done Scandinavian. I would. <laughs> I personally would have gone for a Maltese Christmas feast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I what I really would love to have seen was something more like like the smorgasbord that they had in, in, in the reef. Which you know, which was essentially the entire cast except for for Kate, as we established. <laughs> you just got this Wait, image so of Christmas dinner, and it's just these human body parts laid out, Can and I, all these sharks with forks about? and knives in their so hands. It, it's a brilliant film, really. It's about a bunch of really young and very stupid people who get on a boat. Which first mistake, because you all know how I feel about boats, <laughs> and it capsizes. And then they're like, well, let's just swim, because maybe that will work. So then they start <laughs> swimming, and it doesn't work, because the first guy whose brilliant idea was gets eaten by the shark. And they're like, all right, let's stop swimming. And they go back to the boat, and then they kind of drift, and they wake up in the morning, and they can see you know, a reef. They can see some, 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 some area to stand in and kind of get away from. So then they start swimming towards that, and then they encounter a dolphin, which I made the analogy to earlier with, with Murray, yes, <laughs> and they all freak out thinking it's a shark, but it's not. It's just it's just Murray the dolphin. But then the shark comes and starts killing them all one by one. And you know, the more I think about it, the the dynamic, the relationship between Luke and Kate, who are the only two survivors at the at, toward you think anyway towards the very end of the film, and they confess their love for each other. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like you know Kevin Spacey and and and. Um, <laughs> Judy Davis. And Judy Davis, yeah, the, the way they kind of came together, only if Dennis Leary had come back and then shot uh, Kevin Spacey right oh, right in front of her. Right. Okay. Which is kind of what happened with because the, the shark came up and yeah, ate. Yeah, sure. Ate, okay. um, Are you uh, sure it wasn't the shark and dolphin in the, in the Lloyd and, and um, Caroline, Caroline relationship characters? No, I really honestly, I see a little bit more of, of, of Murray 
in that. And the the fact that he was a drunk dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see Carolyn Moore as like the, the decapitated sea turtle. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This is a weird ass movie you saw. Eric, I'd like to thank you for um ruining this episode for us. It's it's been amazing. I you know, if if I'm gonna ruin something <laughs> I'm gonna ruin I'm, it. I'm right. gonna do it in style. You ruined Christmas, Eric. Yes, you ruined, you ruined Christmas. Christmas. If I had a dime for every time I've heard that, I would have probably ten cents because there was a really bad year once, but I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You got very choked up for a moment. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Let's get into listener feedback, shall we? <laughs> I think we should. Listener feedback. And we have none. Wait, Wait yes, we one. do. No, no, okay, um, go ahead. That was, that, was was a, the... that was a that was a joke. Oh, okay. Are you sure? That was a jo- I didn't wasn't prepared for that joke. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Maybe I have one from Twitter that okay. uh, is from John, and I think John's sitting right over there, isn't he? Uh, burn to brain, yes, uh, indeed. Bur- burn to brain was here. Yes. yes. There's the thing about uh, reading this in the best Batman voice. Oh, I'll do it. We can. I'll do it. What is it, Sean? Whoa, 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 whoa. Brian, I think you and I should have a Batman off. Oh, I think and you should. Uh, can I be a wins. part of this, too? Because I do an excellent uh, Christian Bale with throat cancer, I just have to say. Can you, Sean, can you do Adam West Batman and I can do Christian Bale Batman? Because you do Adam West better than I do. Who wants I to was be thinking of maybe Michael Batman. Keaton Batman. Ooh, Michael I Keaton. will. I want nipples that protrude from my armor. <laughs> what about Michael Keaton Batman? You want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts! <laughs> Michael Keaton Batman just talks like this. He just whispers, kind of. Sounds like a, a weak sauce Clint Eastwood. That's how he talks. Brian, Seriously. you do Kevin Conroy. Eric, you do oh, Christian Bale. I can totally Bale. do Kevin Conroy Batman. I'll do my best Kevin Conroy that I can. Sarah, yeah. you can do Batman like this. I'm Batman! I'm Batman! I am! Sean, your boots for a tuppence, Joker! <laughs> I want some more. <laughs> Please, Riddler. <laughs> That's my best Batman impression. <laughs> Where were the other trucks going? Oi! I swear to God, I'm I don't just know. a British orphan. <laughs> All right, Brian, go. Okay. Hello, I'm Batman. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am upset about the Batman version of Jingle Bells. You know, the one where children replace the normal chorus about me, Batman? I'm Batman. <laughs> Not only are the lyrics insulting, they're riddled with inaccuracies. Here are the traditional Bat lyrics. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile lost a wheel and the Joker got away. Hey! I will note the hey is optional. Let's break this down line by line, shall we? <laughs> Jingle bells. That's fine. I'm Batman. Batman smells. <laughs> no ad-libbing. Sorry. Batman smells. You would think I'd have a problem with that line. You would be wrong. Of course I smell. I spend hours fighting, sweating, and bleeding in tight, constrictive body armor. I am rank. I am like a thousand filthy locker rooms filled with a thousand wet dogs. I am your worst olfactory nightmare, and I like it that way. My goal is to strike terror in the hearts of criminals. I can't really do that if I smell nice. I don't want to pop out of the shadows and grab some punk and have him say, Well, he looks scary, but he smells like lavender. That's just stupid. (laughs) 
I don't want Catwoman to be able to track me through the city because she can pick up a faint odor of cinnamon and nutmeg. I'm not a fancy coffee drink. I'm Batman. Let's move on. Robin laid an egg. This one is just dumb, dumb, super double dumb. I didn't even get it at first. (laughs) Batman would say that. It's so hilarious. I didn't even get it at first. Why would Robin lay an egg? Oh, because Robin also is the name of a bird? Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. No, he's not. He's an eight-year-old boy. I can think of at least three reasons an egg should not be coming out of him. You think it's funny to sing Robin laid an egg? Well, you take a second and picture that's actually happening. (laughs) Gross. Besides, I don't even work with Robin much anymore. He's too loud and bright. It's like Katy Perry doing a duet with The Cure. (laughs) Yes, I know pop culture references. Shut up. Let's move on. The Batmobile lost a wheel. Okay, this happens sometimes. It's a car I used to fight crime. It's not like I accidentally drove it over a broken Nalgene bottle on my way to take the kids to soccer practice in the PT Cruiser. The Batmobile gets shot at all the time with rockets and everything. I lose wheels. What am I supposed to do? Pull over and call AAA? That's stupid. This one makes me really mad. Let's move on. The Joker got away. Again, yes, this happens. I keep... This is a really fucking long... <laughs> John, do you want to take over at any point here? Yes. Okay, sure. you, so why don't you do it from there? The Joker got away. Again, <laughs> yes, this happens. I keep letting the Joker get away. I want to end his reign of terror once and for all. I want to take his spindly clown neck in my powerful bat hands and just... Uh, oh, it would be so easy. But then... I would be just as bad as him, wouldn't I? Uh, I'm Batman. Uh. (laughs) No ad-libbing. Sorry. Finally, the optional lyric. Hey, this one doesn't bother me too much, but I would prefer that it was more aggressive crime-fighting type noise. Something like... (laughs) That would be better. In fact, here are some better lyrics for the whole damn thing. Jingle bells, Batman repels, like I'm repelling crime in a broad sense. Or it can be repels, like I'm climbing down a wall. <laughs> okay, fr- okay, from the top, from the top. Jingle bells, Batman repels, Robin is not here. He's not. I don't hang out with him anymore. When was the last time you saw us together? Get over it. Next the Batmo- The Batmobile performed to spec. That's respectful to the engineers who designed the car. It's an impressive technological accomplishment. The Joker is in jail because I do actually catch him sometimes. Like constantly. Like every time we fight, I catch him. Jerks. So, putting it all together, you should sing. Jingle bells, Batman repels, Robin is not here. The Batmobile performed to spec and the Joker is in jail. (laughs) Take it, Eric. (laughs) Or... If you must associate Batman with a holiday song, here are some other options. You could turn Oh Holy Night into Oh Dark Night. There's a missing syllable in there, so you have to kind of uh, blend the note like Oh Dark Night. <laughs> but like so many things in life, it'll work if you force it. <laughs> <laughs> Or you 
could sing a song from my perspective. Like, you could change all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> and make that all I want for Christmas is your two front teeth. <laughs> because that's what I'm saying to some criminal punk before I punch him in the mouth. I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm feeling traces of the ultimate warrior. <laughs> and I knock out his teeth for Christmas. Or you could take Let It Snow and change it to Let It Go! <laughs> like the Joker is dangling someone you love out a window so you have to sing about it. Let her go! Let her go! Let her go! <laughs> like Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. That's more or less the gist of what I'm getting at, yeah. <laughs> that would have to be in minor key, though. Just thematically. Anyway, I have a lot of ideas. I could go on like this all night. But my duties call, and I must answer. For I am a cape crusader. I am vengeance. I am the night. I know I smell, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm Batman. Ugh. <laughs> and wow. where did that come from? Where did that speech come from? Joseph Scrimshaw. Joseph Scrimshaw. That speech came from josephscrimshaw.com. So, that uh, was flippin' brilliant. Whom we did not contact before doing this episode. Yeah, so Please don't sue us. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> we will be glad to give you half of the nothing that we're going to make off of this episode. <laughs> right? There we go. Okay, what do we say, guests? Who do you think had the best Batman? Kevin, because he wasn't here. Kevin, because he wasn't here. <laughs> I'm going to say Probably Brian's Kevin Conroy was dead on. Sean, you know, when you were doing yours, <laughs> I'm sorry, all I can think of was uh, McGruff the Crime Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did go into McGruff the Crime Dog at one point. <laughs> I'm Batman. Take a crime. bite out of crime. <laughs> That's a good McGruff. That's a really McGruff good McGruff, McGruff. actually. And Eric was kind of going Ultimate Warrior, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think... Uh, I, would... I was going for the peak of emotional tension. Sure. Because it was right at the climax. So I, I just imagine that Batman that's, was coming? I imagine that's what Batman si- sounds like when he's climax. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that Brian's the winner. It's funny because when I was just trying to sound like Batman, so... <laughs> there you go, exactly. <laughs> Brian, you <laughs> like... sounded like Kevin Conroy's Batman. You did. That was, that was really good. good. I accept this award on behalf of Justice. Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Fancy. Do we have any other listener feedback? I think that's it for now. We we got a few for Nerds on History, but we'll read those in a bit. So Nerds on History always gets so much listener feedback, and Nerds on Film pretty much gets ignored. So write us more, people. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. I could try. I could try to offend more people so that we could at least get some hate mail in there. There you go. Yeah, we've gotten a little bit of that. (laughs) Um, Because we need more hate mail when we're. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to go after, let's see, I'm going to go after a country and a profession. So, uh, any Chinese dentists out there, you can kiss my ass. I don't really like, I don't like the, I don't like your lifestyle. I don't like your fucking face. And I don't like anything about anything about anything about you. Wow. Oh. That is not going in the episode. The you comments <laughs> made by Sean Moriarty do Chinese not necessarily. Seems so mundane. How about something like Scottish ballerinas? Oh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Scottish ballerinas. <laughs> Look at you guys all on point with your bagpipes and shit. <laughs> you red-haired she devils. <laughs> I hate interior designers from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. <laughs> Too much straw.
Okay, anyway. <laughs> yes, more hate mail. That is more a hate fantastic mail. idea. From the other perspective, you can also give us donations. Um, like <laughs> <laughs> Are we really following up? That's exactly <laughs> <for donations? laughs> Best segue ever. Um, like our wonderful guests who have donated a, uh, a, ceiling. a ceiling and a bottle of wine, for which I am extremely grateful. So and thank money, you. Yes, indeed. And, and don't money. send us money as well. And money, thank you. Give us your money. And it's, it is All actually warmer because it's, of the ceiling. Oh my god, the heat has been retained. It's fantastic. Yes. I no longer have to set a fire in the middle of the nerd cave, which, um, which is the Eric is eternally thankful for. Yeah. <laughs> we are one step closer to the palette of Philly cheesesteak hot pockets from Costco. Oh, oh my god. Yes, indeed. Followed by indigestion. Oh yeah, by the way, we need a, a freezer. We need a walk-in freezer for those. Oh yeah. That's our next thing we need money for. <laughs> right. So folks, true. what are we going to uh, be doing next week to wrap up our year and our Christmas themes? Well, Brian slash Alan, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, the next episode will be Christmas Carol adaptations. Specifically, um, because this is my episode. We're focusing on how many films? Okay, mostly two, but then we're going to mention others. But I really want to focus on um, Scrooged and Muppet's Christmas Carol. Awesome. Um, although I feel like I want to give a special shout out to Mickey's Christmas Carol and probably the Jim Carrey one as well. The Jim Carrey one's closer to the novel. But right, right. So I, Mickey's Christmas Carol is only 30 minutes long, though. Yeah, so? It's a super truncated version of it, so it's it's definitely the most distilled. So? <laughs> it's still worth mentioning. Anyway, so okay. we will go into that more so next week, um, for which I'm extremely excited so um, you guys have a week to brush up on your Christmas Carol. The novella is available online. You can get it on Project Gutenberg for free. And you can also <laughs> um, download it to your Kindle for free from Amazon. And, of course, on any of your Apple devices. I just had a thought. I just oh. I wondered if they ever did the Christmas Carol, but from, you know, cast all the main characters as famous serial killers. I wonder how that would work. That would be sweet. You would probably find out a lot about their, um, you know, why they Seriously? do what they do in the Ghost of Christmas Past section. Would there be any yeah. sharks involved? Yeah. Oh, there has to be, at least. <laughs> Shark serial killer Christmas Carol coming yeah. to the Hallmark Channel. This is, <laughs> and it's the... Coming to Spike TV. <laughs> the shark ghost of Christmas Past, the shark ghost of Christmas Present, and the shark ghost of you know, that's Christmas just, Yet yeah. to yeah. Be. That's it. Doctor Who do that. They did, actually. Uh, yeah. And they did one with Dickens. They did them both before us. I'm ashamed that I even mentioned it then. All right, folks. Until next time, stay nerdy. And tune in to us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Bye-bye. And roll credits. Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I swear to God, you hit that kid one more time. I'm going to shove that pig's head right up your ass.